The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guests on Off the Shelf are from government, industry, and academia, and we're going to be focusing our discussion on the technology that monitors, uh, assesses, and provides data on human performance and how that how these technologies, commercial technologies, can enhance the capabilities of the warfighter and support the Department of Defense's efforts to ensure the warfighter is at optimum performance. My guests today are Sonia Romani, she's the chief technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. She leads the warfighter performance efforts within Booz Allen's digital battle space team. We have Eric Johnson, also from Booz Allen. He's a senior associate. He is a human performance practitioner, uh, and he helps build, lead data-based solutions to support training efforts. From the government, we have Bart, Bart Hodlick. He is an integrated project technical lead at Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific. He leads a team providing hardware and software solutions for crew readiness, endurance, and watch standing, crew by the acronym. We also have Mark DeRiso. He is the chief engineer and chief data officer for the 7-11th Human Performance Wing Air Force Research Laboratory. His team includes 1,400 folks in a $350 million budget, focusing on technical performance capabilities to monitor and support the warfighter. And finally, we have Dr. From academia, we have Dr. Ruben Birch. He is Associate Professor of Industrial and System Engineering at Mississippi State. He is also the Director of Athlete Engineering at Mississippi State. And I want to welcome you all to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. So, you know, I haven't really thought of this. Uh, you know, all my kids have Fitbits. My wife has an Apple Watch. They're always saying, hey, look at this on me. Like, my heart is this or whatever. So, uh, but I had never really thought about it until we started talking about doing the show, that how this translates into capability and performance in athletics. And, you know, and, you know, there's nothing more athletic than being in a war theater, right, in your operations and in your training, right? So it tr- translates beautifully. Um, um, so I'm looking forward to this conversation we can start with, uh, Bart and, and focus on, you know, from the custom, from the customer perspective, the requirements holder perspective, what are some of the challenges you're seeing in adopting this type of technology for dual use in the military and military environments? I would say the biggest challenge has been convincing wearable companies to detach themselves from their traditional data pipeline, uh, meaning, <clears throat> When we first started on this uh, for the Navy, we did the traditional route of wearables and cell phones and then taking those out to the ship and then connecting them to cloud internet providers. Um, Did not work out so well because the Navy operates a lot of times in in restricted uh, communications. Um, So we knew pretty quickly that this wasn't, that solution wasn't scalable. And so we, we started to engage with the companies to see what could be done to decouple from the cell phone deep couple from the cloud environment. And that has been the single biggest problem is convincing them that there's a monetary value for doing so. 
Right. And when you say decouple, Bart, what what are the alternate? Because when I when you describe that, I'm start thinking about you know the government directives. You take you know you take TikTok off your phone, right? You can't have it on your phone, and and I get that. Um, but here you're talking about not even using the commercial like traditional sort of uh, channels. What 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 does that decoupling sort of look like? You basically, so the, the traditional route is that you have that wearable. So like you mentioned, like the Fitbit or the Apple Watch. And when people, they open up that app that goes with whatever they're wearing um, on their cell phone, what they don't realize is that that cell phone, that application that they're using really isn't doing any of the processing. It's more of like a portal that interfaces with that the wearable device, pulls the information, and then sends it up to the respective cloud server of whatever the company is. In that, in that cloud server environment is where they're doing all the number crunching, running all their algorithms, and then they send the results back to your phone. You don't see it because it happens so fast. Um, and, and so that whole pipeline, the whole backend piece, everything from whether you're using cellular connection or a Wi-Fi connection, all those pieces, when you move over to the government, to the military specifically, that becomes a lot harder because you don't have any of that stuff. And so you basically have to reconstruct that or move away completely. So in our case, we we ditched the cell phones, we ditched the mobile apps, we ditched the cloud server, wrote, rewrote basically an application that interfaces with the device directly, uh, and then created our own data pipeline to do our own on-premise algorithm processing, et cetera. Um, and, and that has been the biggest challenge is convincing those companies to open up those devices to us. Yeah, so that, it sounds like you, you're moving that's always kind of a barrier to entry, right? Like you're the for commercial, traditional commercial firms providing the services, having to tailor it to government unique requirements. And Mark, so I want to turn to you and just from, from your perspective, what are you seeing or, or what are some of the strategies you look to, to try to lower, you know, these barriers or entry for industry partners? Yeah. So uh, I think Bart hit the nail on the head uh, as, as far as, I think you got to understand that the government always has different requirements than what industry have, uh, and it's going to be a more secure environment for for uh, obvious reasons. So I think for us is to better understand the requirement from a, a government standpoint of view, and then also know what the integration into our environment is going to be. A lot of times when customers, again, the wearables, if you want to focus on that, are generating a certain capability. They're not generating the whole system as a complete solution for us. They are providing one element of it. I think from a government standpoint, we got to understand what it takes to do the seamless integration into our whole ecosystem in order to make it work. And so a lot of folks focus on wearables because it's a new thing, but there's a whole lot of the journey that the data have to go on after the data, after it's collected from there. So again, I would look at to remove those barriers is to team with industry, make them sure they understand what the government requirements are, really map those out and, and verify those, and then move forward to developing a complete solution. Right. So it's almost like, you know, I don't want to, but when you describe that, the wearables, it's almost like they're the tip of the spear, so to speak. And then all that data has got to go back through and, and be integrated into your systems in a secure manner. To, to, and and in and organizing in a manner that's executable is that sort of that's 100 percent correct uh, and show the utility of it right uh, of doing, getting all this data because it will come at, at a cost 
to manage this right. additional data. So you got to show the benefit of that. Right. So I would interject real quick too. Um, the uh, another part of that is also understand having them understand that the their traditional data or excuse me their traditional business model is that they're monetizing that data when you move away from that especially within the military you have to protect that data now not just because of data privacy right. but operational uh, uh security as well right that's a great point because you, you are fundamentally in a certain sense changing part of their business model that optimization of that data like that's what they get out of our cell phones every day right at the end of the day, all the different apps and everybody collecting that information. So what are some of the key, and I'll just open this up for uh, key industry trends that you see that, you know, that could be applicable to the Department of Defense? So I, I think there's many um, uh, things that, that's applicable. We talk about wearables. I think uh, we talk about cloud environment. We talked about, uh, I can go on, I could talk about AI, I could talk about machine learning. I could talk about data storage. I can go on and on. I think there's many in uh, different segments. But again, I'm going to focus on how do we stitch those together to come up with a unique or a complete solution uh, for the government as an end user. Right. Well, you know, Mark, you kind of gave me a list for I could start the next segment to talk about each one of those things. Like, what about AI? Yeah. What about cloud? You know, the wearables and just what are some of the we're seeing industry trends and then then but i think you also touch on the most important part how do you stitch that all together you know in a holistic manner and in a secure manner but we'll have to continue that conversation when we come back okay because we're already up on the break and my guest today are sonia romani she's chief technologist at buzan hamilton focusing on warfighter performance efforts eric johnson he's a senior associate at buzan hamilton he's a human performance practitioner with bart hudlick he's the integrated project technical lead at naval information warfare center pacific mark deriso is chief engineer and chief data officer for the 711th human performance wing air force research lab and Dr. Ruben Birch, he is Associate Professor for Industrial and System Engineering at Mississippi State and also Director of Athletic Engineering there as well. We'll be right back with our guest and we'll continue our conversation, talk a little bit about more about industry trends and then look at you know strategies for optimizing warfighter performance and the development and integration of these technologies. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf and Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are from government, industry, and academia. Sonia Ramani is a chief technologist at Booz Allen. She focuses on warfighter performance efforts within Booz Allen's digital battle space team. Eric Johnson is a senior associate at Booz Allen Hamilton, and he is a human performance practitioner. Uh, Bart Hodlick is a integrated project technical lead at Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific, focusing crew readiness, endurance, and watch standing. Mark Deriso is Chief Engineer and Chief Data Officer for the 711th Human Performance Wing Air Force Research Lab. And Dr. Ruben Birch is Associate Professor of Industrial and System Engineering and Director of Athletic Engineering at Mississippi State. Uh, guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, when we took the break, um, uh, uh, Mark had identified, you know, some of the technologies that are out there just generally 
that that apply right like wearables and you know you met, mark mentioned ai and cloud and that sort of thing can we let's just talk for a couple minutes here about some of the key industry trends you're seeing out there in a market associated let's just start with the wearables first so the interesting thing around the wearables is also that you've got different form factors um they have we've seen things from more rigid device to even some textile based solutions that are being worked on, not only across industry, but also across government. That presents a wealth of opportunities in terms of being able to efficiently integrate those onto the warfighter. Um, so I think that that is something that that should be brought up and, and paid close attention to, attention to by those tracking in those spaces. Sonia, is that what the idea of like uh, the Iron Man thing? It's where you know, you're wearing something that's monitoring your body. Is that Kind of, you, you mentioned that to me when we were, when we were prepping for this interview. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- throughout this whole discussion, when we we're talking about warfighter performance, I mean, really, what we're trying to do is focus on that critical human element, right? Of a, a tactical unit is is a platform, and if you, I'm sure many of your viewers, not all, have seen that Iron Man movie, and his suit or ensemble that provides insight not only on himself, but also on his environment, his surroundings, on his equipment. And what we want to be able to do is bring to bear and help our warfighters have that same increased level of situational awareness across all those different factors. It does seem very sci-fi-ish, but in terms of your question earlier around these different trends in these different areas, um, if you start looking at how they're starting to converge across those technology areas, I mean, that's where it gets exciting, right? The, the recent developments around not only artificial intelligence and machine learning, but when you combine that um, with the ability to uh, tap into this explosion of wearable devices that measures everything from your sleep to your activity to your uh, eye tracking, um, you can instantly get access to what your current glucose level is. That presents just a wealth of opportunities in empowering our warfighters. Yeah, that's what. So you almost you you got my you got ahead of me in terms of I was going to ask about artificial intelligence and and I was thinking about Iron Man too. There's like right that's artificial. I mean. It's artificial intelligence. A lot of what his 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 guy his his machine talking back to him right during the course of the movie, right? Um, but and and it has to be all tied together and integrated. And part of that, I guess, is the storage, you know, and, and structure of the information. And you know, there's a lot of focus these days on cloud uh, and cloud-based solutions. How, what's going on on the industry in the, from that perspective? So there's a lot of different challenges. Go ahead, Bart. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, uh, at least from the DOD side, we need to rethink uh, that whole data flow from a tiered perspective. On the commercial side, it goes from your wearable to your phone to a cloud service, right? But from the DOD side, maybe we don't need to follow the same model. You have some at the at the edge, the wearer, whatever the device is, there's a processing going on there that's an immediate type of action. You don't necessarily need to send the data back to the cloud. But maybe you send that back when there's an available chance for historical value or deeper analysis for something a little more complex than what they need in the moment. And I think that whole approach needs to be rethought and, and segmented to tiers of, of necessity. And taking that, those tiers and the necessity, how, how does that translate? It, it has to be structured to right, meet the challenges or the problems you're trying to solve. Is that, is that fair to say? I think we're kind of at a point where we're introducing an iPhone, 
nobody knew that they needed an iPhone until you handed it to uh, them okay. and gave them some stuff That's to good, work with, good. right? Yeah. Um, you know, when when it's it's kind of like that problem. Like if you hand somebody a smartphone, and say, "Here you go. What do you want to do with it?" They have no clue because they didn't even know they needed it to begin with. Um, but you give it to them, let them play around with it, and now you can develop solutions around that, which is where we are now with our cell phones. Right. Well, I'm going to ask Eric. Eric, you know, you're the human um, performance practitioner, so to speak, right? Um, uh, and this might be you and Ruben as well. But just what are you know, how can this technology be applied, you know, to the department, to operations, yeah. you know, for the, for the warfighter? What are some of the, some of the challenges or problems um, that you, that could be solved? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I think, you know, I think we hit on a little bit there earlier too, as Sonia mentioned, just the depth and breadth of technology, right. That we're getting exposed to now. And I think there's just such a variety of sensors, such a variety that tech stack can really just be applied to, you know, so many different areas, but I think at the end of the day, like, you know, Dr. Dariso and, and Barb mentioned as well, you know, how do you really make sure like that data pipeline is set up, um, you know, for those users, right. And for those different tiers, you know, as well, I think you can look at it from like an individual perspective from a warfighter perspective. Okay. If they're at the edge, right. And they're using that data to come off that device, how are they using that to inform their behavior? Right. And I think that'll help them understand how do they make decisions in that real time, you know, maybe it's in a, a training environment, maybe it's in an operational environment, but they can use data, I think, in that perspective from a lot of that, those different technologies that really need to be stitched together, right? Like Dr. Dariso mentioned earlier, I think it's a, a great point. Then if you go up another tier to like that group, you know, commander, small team level, all right, now how do we kind of look at, you know, different activity levels or sleep levels across different groups, and right? Use that as like a comparative analysis to understand, oh, this group, this squad is maybe more ready than this one, right? How do we use that to our you know, decision-making advantage um, from that tier perspective. Then maybe if you go up another level, okay, now maybe you can start to look at like a strategic data perspective across the entire force. And how do you look at readiness at scale, which becomes incredibly more complex. I think there's much more, more to that, but I think a lot of these technologies, the tech stack being stitched together, the data off of it, I think you can start to look at, um, you know, usability of that data at different levels. And I want to chime in on the, the unfun part of the discussion so that Sonia hit on the Iron Man uh, and the different form factors and all that different stuff. The thing that ends up being the biggest hurdle for us that I think we can borrow from the industry side is basic device issue management. Uh, we see it on the sports side and we absolutely see it on the uh, tactical athlete side. So let's say we're working with an Air Force base that has uh, 40,000 airmen. Uh, it's one thing to be able to dole out 15 devices to a basketball team, but how in the world do you manage 40,000 devices? I think everybody sees the value of those different form factors and the data they can collect. And we haven't even touched on the complexity of cloud storage and, and those types of things, but there's the general issuing of the device and ensuring that the same people get the same device at the right time. These are small little things that don't survive very long in a rugged environment. They're easy to lose. And, and, you can't necessarily assume that everybody wants to wear them because they're not totally sure what's going to happen with their data and if it's medical data and how it could impact their career. So those are the super unfun things that I don't know anyone has invested a lot of time. You'll have somebody make a decision to buy wearables and 48 hours later, there's thousands of wearable devices on a base, but no one has moved past like how to get them out of the box <laughs> and into the hands of people. So I'm going to be the typical Debbie Downer academic and provide the unfun side. <laughs> right. Well, no, you know, a, go ahead. 
That's another really good point that we've been contemplating from the shipboard perspective, because during some military operations, you can't wear those devices. So let's say like the Navy, a standard uh, Navy sailor, there are certain operations that they conduct where you can't wear devices like watches and rings, right? So you take that thing off. What if you mix it up and you slap another, you slap the device back on, but in reality, I, I took your device and put it on. How's the system ever going to know? Because now I've got a completely different feed going on into my, my individual repository. And, and the system will never know the difference. Right. Um, and you know what, guys? We're already up on the next break. So when we come back, we'll continue to talk about, you know, all these different facets of, um, you know, this technology and, and applying it to the Department of Defense. I mean, uh, Ruben, you brought up a good point about privacy and to be interested to hear sort of how Mississippi State handles that perhaps when, when we come back. And it is, isn't an example for the Department of Defense or, or even just thinking about how people think about their their health information and how you roll that out to the warfighter would be interesting to talk about. Um, and then also we're going to talk about just, you know, one of the, some of the, the language around, um, you know, um, the, the human instrument or, you know, as a system, how does this infrastructure support um the quote human system. Anyway, my guests today are Sonia Ramani. She is chief technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. Eric Johnson is senior associate focusing on human performance, uh, the human performance practice at Booz Allen Hamilton. Bart Hodlick, he is integrated project technical lead at Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific. Mark DeRiso, he's chief engineer and chief data officer for the 711th Human Performance Wing Air Force Research Lab. And Dr. Ruben Birch, Associate Professor for Industrial and System Engineering and Director of Athletic Engineering at Mississippi State. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Uh, today on the show, we have government, industry, and academia. We have Sonia Ramani. She's Chief Technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, Eric Johnson is a Senior Associate and Human Performance Practitioner. Bart Hodlick, he's the Integrated Project Technical Lead at Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific. Mark DeRiso, he's the Chief Engineer and Chief Data Officer for the 7-11th Human Performance Wing Air Force Research Lab. And we also have Dr. Ruben Birch, he's Associate Professor for Industrial and System Engineering and the Director of Athletic Engineering at Mississippi State. And uh, Ruben, I was going to start with you. This segment, you know, we at the end, we t- one of the things that you mentioned in, towards the end of the last segment was, the, you know, the challenge of privacy, of privacy of uh, individuals' information, and you know, and you know, Mississippi State is in the SEC. You got lots of athletes there. You're monitoring all kinds of stuff. What? Uh, what? How does the? How do you guys look at that in your organization? Well, I think. Everybody knows that the, the, the athletes data is a, a much more visible topic now after the name, image and likeness or NIL. Uh, the, the, the data has always been the athletes uh, long before those discussions happened because the, the athletes, when they transfer to another school or when they uh, get to the professional leagues or they uh, life after competition, they need to have that medical data and those medical records. Uh, it's always been theirs. Uh, before NIL, they may not have cared that much about the wearable data and the performance data either during practice or on the field. But now they definitely care about it because there's a potential NIL deal that could come from using their data, everything from a video game 
to just being able to to put it out there and sell it uh, as a collection of various athletes. So uh, Mississippi State, and I'm pretty sure most uh, Power Five schools or, or really anybody Division One is going to treat that as they know the athlete gets to own that data. And the difference with sports athletes is they they want to collect the data because that's how they make improvements in performance. Uh, not everyone wants their data collected at that level. Uh, there's a spectrum of wearable wares. There's on one end of the positive spectrum is the athlete and on the opposite end of don't want it at all is the industrial athlete. I think the tactical athlete kind of lives somewhere in the middle in terms of understanding the importance. But if you're a pilot and there's an issue and you're wearing a wearable, uh, does your boss or you know commanding officer procure that data to then determine more information about the flight? And are you at risk whether you're at fault or not? All right. So that's that's a great segue, uh, Ruben. So I'm going to ask Mark and uh, Bart to chime in as, uh, you know, uh, you know, Mark with the Air Force and Bart with the Navy, just talking about how you view that privacy, you know, just generally how you're handling the privacy issue and what are some of the challenges there. Let's start with Mark. Yeah, so uh, we definitely understand that privacy issue is a problem. Uh, uh, protecting data is not new to the Air Force or DOD overall. Uh, and so we do have these requirements that's already in place. With some of the new technologies that we want to take advantage of, it could become problematic if you don't design the infrastructure correctly to do that protection. Uh, and so we are looking at new ways, new inventive ways to architect uh, the process or even architect the uh, how we house data, how we do analytics to make sure it's protected uh, in a means that's satisfactory to meet the government regulations. Uh, and so we don't have it solved yet, but I think we're, we're in going in the right direction to have it solved because privacy is important for, for many reasons across uh, DOD. But, but what I would like to say is that, you know, wearables is a piece of the problem, like I say. Uh, it gives you some data. Uh, there has been yet-to-date that a sensor will tell you about performance in within itself. So it has to be married up with some other software models and things like that in order to give you some insight to what it's telling you, right? So just because someone might, uh, let's say, get a hold of, unfortunately get a hold of some wearable data, it doesn't tell you a full picture. It tells you a part of the picture. Then there's encryption and other things we can add to that. So I think uh, there's a lot you can do from a software standpoint to help, uh, you know, uh, protect the data, along with some of the hardware architecture that you could design to protect it as well. All right. Bart, you have any additional thoughts? Uh, I agree with everything that Mark said, but I think the Navy side has an additional complexity to it because our our effort was born out of the, the collisions that occurred in 2017 at sea. Mm -hmm. uh, and some sub subsequent reporting that came out of it, one of the identifiers was that fatigue was, was a, a portion of the reason why those collisions occurred. So in the pursuit of trying to quantify the fatigue and reduce operational risk, one thing that we're up against now is that as we collect this wearable data, we're feeding that into a system that is giving fatigue risk analysis as part of the scheduling for daily ship operations. And so to the point of the supervisor or somebody else seeing that information, Yes, it could have detrimental effects because let's say you were scheduled to sleep for at whatever period of time and you did not go to sleep during that time for whatever reason. Now, are you at risk of, of, of anything being on the hook for, you know, anything that happened because while you were on station, while you were on duty, say there was a collision, the worst case, there was another collision. 
could you be identified as the person that's responsible who did not do what they're supposed to do to risk, reduce risk? So we've been engaging a lot with Navy Legal to try and define those parameters and not only one, get, get a legal definition of what it even means for that reason, but also what we're seeing within the Navy side or DOD as a whole is that there really are no policies in place for the collection of wearable data. Uh, we were in this weird gray zone where it's operational data, but it's also medical data, right? But most wearable devices are not medical grade devices. So how do you how do you navigate those those problems? Um, could you use that as medical information? You know, like uh, say your medical practitioner uses that information to take a deeper look at you as a person, but then on the operational side, how do we use it? Uh, and so we're trying to walk that fine line for the data security portion. We're addressing that by basically segmenting out the data points, meaning the data that, that is associated to you as the individual, your, your unique ID, so the DOD ID or whatever gets used, we restore that. We store that in one uh, repository, but then we also break up all the other data points into other repositories and we build a data plane on top of that so that when you're doing queries or analysis, the individual person doing the analysis may not even know where the data is actually restored at. And then looking at anybody that would intrude into the system, even if they get access to one database, they don't have a complete picture. So we're trying to spread that out, um, you know, typical encryption, all that good stuff, uh, but break all that stuff up. So it's not so easy to get the whole picture all at once. All right. So now I want to turn that I mean, we covered that. I want to turn to, but we've covered it, but it, there's so many, you know, the interesting thing I think you said to me, because it reminded me part of what you said earlier about, well, we're trying, you know, nobody knew what they could do with their cell phone and the sort of, you know, the capabilities built upon themselves and people found ways to use it. This is, and that, and then with that also is developing all the policies. And you mentioned like your legal department have to try and figure out, you're almost creating new law in a certain sense for some of this or, or are taking old concepts and applying to new situation, new legal concepts. So anyway, but I want to turn to, you know, sort of one of the things that we talked about in prep for the show was, um, you know, thinking about the the human instrument or the, the, you know, an individual as a system in terms of that monitoring and what, what do you do um, or how this technology can drive performance optimization. And I'm just going to open it up. Whoever wants to t start, t start taking a shot at this. I think this is the uh, bullying the ocean problem and where a lot of people get kind of stuck is because um, like we were talking before, uh, there, there's so many different uh, aspects of the task that are going on out in the real world by the, you know, the, the warfighter. And there's, uh, there's so many components of data that can be collected. And in a perfect world, just like with sports teams, you would have baseline data for months or years prior that you could then take data that happened in the wild and start to, infer some things but but it's not realistic to have that much data or to even be able to collect it perfectly uh for the the human machine so i think you almost have to focus on you know what what are the top three things that are really important to us that are fairly common across all people that maybe help us get into this preventative maintenance mode so uh you know like is it, it is it fatigue is it symmetry uh, you know, are, are they doing some repetitive movements that will lead to injury eventually? And I think you kind of have to narrow down the scope to have anything actionable. Right. It's how you define what you're trying to opt, you know, did, what optimization means in a certain sense, right? What, 
what are like the top three things to your point i love the term boil in the ocean i use that all the time i, I think you know you, you have to identify what's what's the priority to solve the problem and i would ask uh, sonia or, or eric if you have any additional thoughts on that on the optimization challenge yeah, I, I think Ruben nailed it. Um, the challenge with starting to put on wearables is, I mentioned before, you can track practically anything. It, there's just, an, an, uh, the detriment could be too much data, right? That's data, not information, not actionable, to Ruben's point earlier. So it's got to, especially when you look at some of these more uh, constrained type operation, operational environments, you can't inundate neither the warfighter, the, the small team leaders, the commanders, um, any of them. That's not going to help. That's actually going to hinder their ability to perform and meet the mission objectives. So in those types of situations, being able to nail down, um, tailoring that data, not just what type of data, but the timeliness of that data based on the audience and the mission needs at that point is the critical aspect of this. Eric, you have any final thoughts? We've got about a minute left in the segment. Yeah, no, I think those are all, all excellent points here. I think this is such an incredible challenge. And I think, you know, I think so, obviously Sonia and Ruben hit on a lot of that. I think developing like those technology tool sets, right? I think that's what we constantly try to talk about and really in, ensure that that supports the decision-making at scale across users in both training and operations. And I think if we can do that, if we have the right tech stack identified, it's, you know, we identify the right privacy controls and it's, you know, cyber, you know, security first perspective, then I think we can really look into like quantifying, monitor, and eventually get into that that layer where we can start to predict performance. Um, you know, there's there's lots of components to that, but I think those are some of the some of the areas we want to continue to try to tackle. Great, and that we're we're up on the break, and when we come back, we'll continue the discussion. Talk about you know how bring all stakeholders together to find solutions. What you know across government government and industry, just what are some of the key strategies and focus areas. And my guests today are Sonia Romani. She's chief technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton, leading the warfighter performance efforts within Booz Allen's digital battle space team. Eric Johnson is senior associate. Uh, he's a human performance practitioner. Bart Hodlick is the integrated project technical lead at the Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific. Mark DeRiso is Chief Engineer and Chief Data Officer for the 7-Eleventh Human Performance Wing Air Force Research Lab. And Dr. Ruben Birch is Associate Professor for Industrial and System Engineering and Director of Athletic Engineering at Mississippi State. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are from Government, Industry, and Academia. Sonia Romani is Chief Technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. Eric Johnson is a Senior Associate uh, and Human Performance Practitioner at Booz Allen Hamilton. Bart Hodlick is Integrated Project Technical Lead at Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific. Mark DeRiso is Chief Engineer and Chief Data Officer for the 7-11th Human Performance Wing Air Force Research Lab. And Dr. Ruben Birch is Associate Professor of Industrial and System Engineering and Director of Athletic Engineering at Mississippi State. And, you know, you know this is a this has truly been a fascinating discussion. And, and, and I wish folks could actually hear our off-air discussions about all these different challenges and issues. It's really interesting stuff. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and there's so many challenges or, and things you have to think about. And I'm just going to, you know, 
you know, we talked about standardization in some of our uh, prep meeting. What does that mean? It means different things to different people and the reliability of the information um, and what you're collecting and what does it really mean? Do you have control of it? And are you setting like the metrics for the data, which data to collect? What does that architecture look like? The cybersecurity issues, the privacy issues, all these things, you know, and I don't think I've even mentioned all of them, but, you know, just from your perspective and you're thinking about that from, let's just look, look at it this way. What are your top one or two concerns? And we'll start with Bart, then go to Mark and then your Ruben and then Sonia and Eric, just kind of do it government and then academia and then the industry. Uh, and so let, you know, just like your top thing, when you're looking at this challenge, and maybe that's an unfair question, but we only have, you know, an hour on the show. So Bart, go for it. I think the word standardization needs to be approached very cautiously. Um, a couple things. One, when you talk about the individual device, each device manufacturer is making a wearable with its mixture of sensors. Each one of those sensors is running in an inherent uh, firmware-based algorithm to filter out noise, to generate a data point. Once you get beyond that, when you ingest that into our side on the analysis side, if you try to standardize that portion, you have to understand from the very beginning uh, what sensor generated that data to begin with. So does your algorithm, does your analysis apply to that particular sensor? Because its quality may be different from another wearable sensor's quality. Um, standardization on the device manufacturing side, we have to make the argument to the individual manufacturer as to why they would want to standardize against their competition in the commercial market. Because um, our the reality is the DoD market is very small in comparison to the rest of the globe. So why? What's the incentive for them to standardize against their competitors for our market? Mark, do you have thoughts? Yeah. So uh, from my standpoint of view, I think standardization become important because I really want to understand the reliability of the data that the device is producing. Um, and even if the vendors have different specs, this is called a specs, I just need to understand there's their specs and reliability of, of what is claiming this output. And I think, again, if you use the analogy of other industries, uh, there are certain standards that are used to test different devices or materials and things like that. And I think that at least run the wearables through those tests with the parameters that we care about, how we're going to implement it, so we'll understand, you know, how reliable, what's the scatter in the data, how well we can trust it, because some of the things you can make up in in software if you still want to use that device. Uh, but I think uh, so. I agree with Bart. I think saying everybody have to produce some the same way is going to be a heavy lift. But I think if they we give them some way to say, give us the specs on your device and show how you validated those specs before we deliver them will be a help in the right, a step in the right direction. Right. It helps validate the, the output, the data, right? Ruben? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so standardization means a lot of things to different people. So, you know, Bart immediately thinks about the vendor building the device. Mark immediately goes to the standardization of the data. Uh, for me, it's uh, I think about implementation of the device that, standardization of the implementation because it, when you're dealing with that many people and that much data there's got to be a pretty pretty solid process and then uh 
taking that further into survivability, you know, uh, all ruggedized handheld devices used in the military and industry have a have mil spec 810G that they all have to follow between drop testing, tumble testing, ingress, egress protection, uh, you know, how it responds if there's a, you know, if there's a crack in the casing and there's a gas plume or something around, you know, so all of those things are really important and those devices do survive, uh, but but wearables don't. And it's, again, it's it's apples to oranges comparison in some case, but that's where my mind goes from an adoption, I mean, a standardization perspective. All right. Let's go to Eric next and say the last word for Sonia. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Roger. No, I think that's uh, you know, the standardization. I think exactly like what's been said before. I think just really breaking that down and defining that to its core components, you know, from hardware to software to data to adoption. Um, and understanding really what that means for all the different users. And it's, it's actually something we've tried to do at, at Booz Allen a few years ago. We set up a, a tactical athlete leadership board um, to really try to bring a lot of these, you know, industry, professional sports, academia, government, really to kind of convene and discuss a lot of these key challenges and, um, you know, try to work through what these problem sets are, discuss the use cases, um, and try to tackle it from really this, that collaborative approach. Right. Sonia? Yeah, so uh, there, folks on this panel have such expertise. I think in, in terms of just adding on to that, the, the focus here really is just on our most critical assets in our military, right? It's our war fighters. So being able to provide them um, opportunities to take advantage of the accelerated pace of technology um, on the government side, having open architectures that can rapidly inject those on the industry side, lowering the barrier so that there is some level of insight as to some of these different standardization discussions here, if, if they wanna be able to partake and play in the military spaces. I think those are some of the key things that um, we just all wanna be able to, to make sure we're tracking. Right, well, I'm gonna now flip it around and, and, and go reverse direction sort of. And Sonia, so one of the things I mentioned I might ask about is just generally how you know, like I said, this is the first show I've had uh, a government um, you know, government folks on. You know, the the customer, the requirements holder. We've had academia. We have academia on um, who focuses on you know sort of kind of the big picture and looking and studying things. And then industry, uh, Booz Allen. You know, talking about supporting the mission requirements of the customer and you know and tapping into academia can you talk a little bit about how that all kind of what your perspective is on how that works together best yeah absolutely um i think it, this is a tough problem set right we've talked a lot about the uh, human instrumentation understanding human behavior uh not only being able to quantify that in terms of physiological um performance but also predicting even right that's a complex problem set so uh, I think one of the key things is there's no one industry partner that can do this alone that is going to require a coalition of the willing. And so just within Booz Allen, we pride ourselves on our work with collaboration across industry, um, both with large and small businesses and in, in tackling these challenges. So I think if, if anything, that would be um, the, uh, the, the big point from, from us is being able to collaborate on these um, tough challenges together. Right. Mark? 
Yeah, so some of the approach that we are taking and the government have different mechanisms for collaboration with small businesses and uh, uh, academia and so forth, uh, particularly to this effort uh, that we're working on, that we actively working on. We do have small business, uh, we have academia, we have uh, uh, what I would call some of the prime contractors on board to help solve this problem because it, it is a multifaceted, multidisciplinary problem that's going to take everybody to do that. So we built a small team to help investigate some of these problems. I mean, most of the ones we talked about, we're investigating to some level. And I'm not claiming that we're going to have it solved at the end. I'm saying we investigate to some level to understand the step forward. So I think uh, the best way is to build a team, build a relationship uh, with the key stakeholders and then try to mature it collectively uh, along the way so you can actually deliver a solution to the government. Right. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Bart? I think the way I look at it these days after everything is that we're basically building the wearable company within the DOD or the Gov. You look at a wearable company, when they produce that device, they're not just making, it's not a hardware manufacturing job. It, it, you literally have researchers involved that are producing something. They're doing the analytics for your, your mobile app, et cetera. So I think we are all talking about the same stuff and whether it's academia, whether it's industry uh, or gov, we all have to come together to basically produce that wearable company within the government to field these devices. And, and I think that is the, where the collaboration is going to happen because I don't think any one single person or one group can, can tackle it all at once. Um, and then just molding it into that, that military environment. Right. Ruben. I think one of the areas where acad academics can really help is we get to be that unbiased third party. We just want to see everybody be successful. So one of the things we try to do specifically is uh, wearable validation. Does it actually do what they say it does and marry it up against those laboratory gold standards? while creating processes that, you know, that standardize the testing of it. Uh, I think one thing that we try to do really well is uh, bring together the, the sports side, the industry side, and the tactical side in terms of human performance and, and what that means. And being able to speak all three of those languages so that we can help connect our military partners to others who have seen it before and experienced it, even though the setting may be different in sports or like an industrial facility. Uh, they still had to overcome some of the same hurdles that, that the military is going to have to deal with. Right. And finally, Eric, Eric, you got about 30 seconds. Well, everybody already said some incredible answers. So I don't know if I have too much more to add on to that, but I will just say the, uh, I think and everyone's kind of mentioned this, but I think there's a seat at the table for everybody, right? I think academia, industry, government, working collaboratively and, and really just breaking down those barriers to solve those key mission use cases for the government is is, is vital. Right. Great. Thanks. And I want to thank you all for being on the show today. It's a great, it's a fascinating topic. Great discussion. Uh, my guests today have been Sonia Romani. She's chief technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton, leading the warfighter performance efforts within Booz Allen's digital battle space team. Eric Johnson is senior associate. Uh, he's a human performance practitioner Bart Hodlick is the Integrated Project Technical Lead at the Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific. Mark DeRiso is Chief Engineer and Chief Data Officer for the 7-Eleventh Human Performance Wing Air Force Research Lab. And Dr. Ruben Birch is Associate Professor for Industrial and System Engineering and Director of Athletic Engineering at Mississippi State. I'm Roger Walden. You've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. 
You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.